Hello, everybody. Brian here. It is October 11th, 2023, as I record this. And as I'm sure all of you know, a war started this week, just broke out in Israel. And on the episode you're about to listen to, we're talking about things that have to do with the people of Israel and the Jewish people. And so we just want to acknowledge uh, before we release this episode that right now this is a time of suffering for people on both sides. This conflict is near and dear to our fellowship. You know, we had a trip going to Israel uh, just in the next few weeks uh, that was already on the books before this even started. And so a lot of people thinking and praying for what's going on over in the Middle East. And on this episode, again, we're going to be talking about the need of the people of Israel, the Jewish people, for the gospel. We, Mike and I, will be discussing the Jewish people as a whole and the individual need of every Jewish person to embrace the Lordship of Christ. Now, we recorded this episode a few weeks ago before any of the hostilities broke out. And now that hostilities have broken out, it can be kind of a different experience to listen to discussions like this because now when we talk about Jewish people or Muslim people, what can be on our minds is the news first. I think we all know what that's like and the current events that are developing while we speak instead of the issues that the scriptures discuss. But I do think it's important to remember that the truths that the scriptures affirm are important at all times, in times of peace and in times of war. And the message of Jesus, the message of rescue from this broken world and forgiveness for personal sin, that message is relevant for soldiers and civilians. It's, it's relevant for Palestinians and Israelis and for everyone. And in fact, the more war ravages our world, the more the offer of peace from God and Christ should really come into sharp relief. And so we just want to acknowledge that right now, today, this afternoon, we mourn with all those who mourn. Our hearts break for people on all sides of this conflict. And again, as followers of Christ, we want to continue to faithfully bear witness to the answer for all pain and suffering, the cross of Jesus Christ and faith in him as the risen Lord. And so just to acknowledge that right off the bat, if you'd like to delve into the details of this particular topic and how it relates to 2 Corinthians as we discussed it just a couple weeks ago, go ahead and listen on. Hello, welcome back to Study Plus, the occasional podcast where we take a topic from the scriptures that uh, Mike Foch is teaching through on Wednesday nights here at Calvary Chapel, Philadelphia, and uh, we take a little bit of extra time to look into it a little further, so we give some time to an issue that I'm not going to give maybe a lot of time to on a Wednesday night, but still important. So my name is Brian Weed, one of the pastors here at Calvary. I am here with Mike. Hello. Thanks for listening. Thanks for listening. Yes. Yeah, so today, Mike, we're going to get into a topic that 
comes up in Second Corinthians chapter three, starting in verse twelve. You want to talk mm-hmm. about that a little bit? Yeah. So in Second Corinthians three, which we didn't get to yet, we're recording this ahead of time a little ah, bit. You gave it away. I gave it away. <laughs> we got to be honest. We have to be sincere here with you. So uh, we sit down and we kind of look at Second Corinthians and try to maybe trace out some of the things that might be good for this kind of podcast. So. Uh, Brian's helping me a lot with that. Thanks, Brian. Yeah. And <clears throat> one of the things that we wanted to touch on is what Paul begins to talk about in Second Corinthians 3, where he begins to contrast the ministry that he has with the previous ministry in the Old Testament, and then really begins to talk about ministry in the gospel and being a minister of the gospel in a whole lot of different ways. So... Um, you know, the main kind of point is that, but one of the things he does is contrast. And in that contrast, he brings up the blindness related to the Jews, which was one of the things that he faced on a pretty regular basis. And he lived as an individual. And we just wanted to trace out a little bit of some of those topics in terms of what it means to be a Christian and what it means to be a Jew now in our day and age. So, in 2 Corinthians 3, uh, the verse that I think stuck out to me as we were looking at this mic, verse 12, Paul's talking about the hope he has, and then he says, it's not like Moses who put a veil over his face so that the Israelites might not gaze at the outcome of what was being brought to an end. I'm reading, I think, English Standard Version because I couldn't find my New King James Bible. Oh, well. (laughs) It's somewhere around the church building. He says, but their minds were hardened For to this day, when they read the Old Covenant, that's how it translates it, the same veil remains unlifted because only through Christ is it taken away. Yes, to this day, whenever Moses is read, that's the first five books of the Old Testament, a veil lies over their hearts. But when one turns to the Lord, the veil is removed. And then he goes on. And so this this podcast is more of a, a tangential issue that is sort of, Paul is brushing by it here in verses 14 and 15 of chapter 3. And it's just that he's taking for granted that you can be, someone can be, a member of uh, the people descended from Abraham, the the Israelite or Jewish you know, uh, family. They can be reading Moses. They can be in the Old Testament, what we call the Old Testament scriptures, and yet a veil can lie over their hearts. And it just made me think, as we were talking, Mike, I think for some people, this is a little bit of a confusing topic because we know that the we would say the Jews are God's chosen people. And I was also thinking, I don't think I don't think we spoke about this before, in some churches, this actually might not come up too much. Right. In our church, in Calvary Chapel, we have a very high, I would say, high view of the plan of God, a very defined view of the place of the people of Israel in the plan of God. And so one of the things that one of the things that spins off from that is people at our church tend to get excited about Jewish things. Uh, we take trips to Israel. We got yeah. one coming up in a few weeks. Uh, knowing about the history of Israel, I mean, 1948 and the modern state are very encouraging to us because to us they're a sign of the truth of the scriptures that say that God is committed to Israel. Uh, So there's a lot of excitement generally around Israel in a church like ours that teaches uh, about the plan of God the way we do. 
And so in a church like Calvary Chapel, you could you could almost have this tension in your mind like, but wait, it feels kind of weird to tell a Jewish person they need to get saved because aren't they God's people? And so that's, I think, if I want to hit this from, from four areas. The first question I think that that we might look at is, okay, wait, why do Jewish people need to get saved? Uh, and my short and simple answer that we can discuss is Jewish people need to get saved because everybody needs to get saved. <laughs> so you think about the things when we meet, say get saved, we talk about things like forgiveness of sin, new birth, uh, conversion, um, becoming someone who swears allegiance to King Jesus. You know, there's all these different ways yeah. you might say it. And uh, the scriptures that I was thinking about, Mike, are there were two in particular. One is the famous passage in John 3 where Jesus is talking to a man named Nicodemus and he tells him, you need to be born again. And I always think it's interesting because when people think about the topic of being born again, just out in the culture, I think they usually think that it applies to like drug addicts or no offense if you're addicted. We have a lot of people coming out of addiction in this church, but people people who are really struggling to break free of, of harmful or painful patterns in their life, people, you know, who we might say, you know, took the wrong path and went really far down. They need to be born again. So, of right. course, a church like Calvary Chapel talks about being born again because, you know, half of these people had addiction in their past, and that's actually probably true. Um, but when Jesus teaches about being born again, he didn't say it to the person who was down and out. He talked to a lot of down and out people, but he, the person he said you need to be born again to was not a down and outer. He was a top-level, elite, religious leader, probably with some wealth, with tons of sway in society and he looked at that guy and said you need to be born again and just the obvious thing that's easy to miss is that guy was jewish yeah and he was very jewish yeah yeah one of the most religious <laughs> the most, jews right. that that was there so and then in john 8 he's talking to it specifically says he's talking to an audience of jewish people and he tells them if the sun sets you free you will be free indeed. And they say, what are you talking about? We're, we're not slaves. We've never been in bondage to anyone. We're sons of Abraham. Yeah. And he says, but oh, but actually, if you sin, you're a slave of sin. And and again, the obvious thing that's easy to miss is there, he's talking to Jewish people. And then you go, oh wait, like 99% of Jesus' audience was Jewish. And he was constantly calling people to repent, be saved, and follow him. He was, he was saying that almost exclusively, not totally, but almost exclusively to Jewish people. Yeah, so, you know, I think we've we've all faced questions along those lines. Does a Jewish person need to be saved? Are they saved? Like, well, how right. does this, I feel like one of the things that's helpful for me is, um, and maybe helpful to see, is that faith in the word of God and what God has asked is always the me- the mode and the method of salvation. And that yes. the Bible teaches that pretty clear. So the reality is before Moses and even that Old Testament Jewish religion was established the way that it was, you had Adam all the way up to Moses through Abraham. And the Bible is clear, those people were saved through an expression of faith. We don't know what all they had, but the Bible says there was commandments and ordinances and instructions from God. Yes. So apparently they had something from God from the beginning right. that they did, and that, that thing they did was an expression of faith. Then what happened with Moses is that got centralized into a people group and into a certain law. So the way you express true faith 
for a long time was found with the Jewish people and in connection to their worship with God. So the thing that makes it weird is essentially being a true Jew, we'll say, was how you got saved until Jesus showed up. And and even just to drill down a little further into something you said, if I if back in those days, if I wasn't a member of the the nation of Israel, the Jewish nation, how I just to crystallize something you you just said because I think it's important, how I related to them, assuming I ran into them, assuming mm-hmm. I wasn't living in Siberia, yeah, showed my heart towards God, and you see that all through the Old Testament. Yeah, Rahab, Je- Rahab, uh, uh, oh man, what was the name of the guy who was the king's general? In Elijah, oh geez. Oh, Naaman? Is that Naaman. Yeah, yeah, Naaman. Uh, there I admitted everyone I couldn't remember. Thanks, like, <laughs> um, You know, Naaman, yeah. the Syrian, right? So the, these people uh, who, they're not Jewish, and then they come in contact with the Jewish people, and how they relate to them shows their heart towards God. Yeah. Because as you said, that's God's national, you could say ethnic channel to bless the world. And so it comes back to God's blessing to Abraham, he who blesses you, I will bless. He who curses you, I will curse. That's never been rescinded. But I was thinking, within the nation, so that was from without. Yeah. If you're a Gentile, if you're not Jewish, how you treat the Jewish nation shows your heart towards God. But within the nation, God is dealing with his people more like his own children than those who are outside of the house. So through the entire Old Testament, you know, the, the in-house discussion is, are you really following me? Like you said, Mike, right. do you, are you really living in faith? And, and obedience to the promises of God. And I was thinking of the story where Elijah runs you know, away from the king and says to the Lord, the prophet Elijah, I'm the only one left in Israel that follows you. And God's like, no, you're not. I have 7,000 men in Israel who have not bowed the knee to Baal. Now that's encouraging and it shows like you shouldn't think you're the only one who worships God. God knows those who worship him. But for the sake of our discussion, God says to Elijah, the people within the nation of Israel who specifically have not turned to idolatry and worship me instead, God recognizes them almost as like the remnant center of the nation, mm-hmm. we would say, who are saved. Yeah. So even in, in those days, from Moses on, you like Brian's saying, you had this, even though they were Jews and even though they had the religious system, you still had a division in terms of salvation. Yes. They weren't all saved. That's why Paul says in Romans 9, they are not all Israel who are of Israel. Like Ahab wasn't saved just because he had a certain type of lineage. And all through the Old Testament, there were people who began to either move into idolatry out of that religious system, which maybe was a little easier, but there were also people within the religious system that still weren't really expressing faith. The religious system was just the thing that was supposed to help teach you and show that your faith was true. So, you know, the the thing that's kind of confusing is that when Jesus came and was the fulfillment of that whole shadowy kind of law and religious system, then the mode of salvation changed. What I'm putting my faith in and how I'm expressing it is different. And Paul becomes, as well as the other apostles, very clear through the book of Acts and their epistles that the old thing you cannot turn to for salvation. You have to turn to the clarity that we have in Jesus Christ now. So I was thinking as you were talking, before Christ came from without, how I related to the nation of Israel showed uh, my heart towards the true and living God. But after Christ came, or even you could say, especially during his life and then post, 
it was now he was the litmus test. Mm -hmm. And so he starts within Israel. Before he goes out to the Gentile world, within Israel, he walks all around the country for three years. And how I related to Jesus showed, regardless of my ethnicity, it showed my heart towards God. He becomes now the locus, the litmus test of Mm -hmm. a true heart towards God. And so he literally goes through Israel, gathering those who worship the true and living God, and they become his followers. Yep. Yeah, which he claims very clearly, if you don't honor him, you don't honor the Father. You don't listen to him, you're not hearing God. Jesus says these type of things to the Pharisees very clearly. And, you know, in a cool picture, I like uh, Nathaniel. We know the whole picture there when Jesus comes to get him. He says, behold, an Israelite in whom there is no guile. And that Israelite, the true Israelite in whom there is no guile, sees and recognizes Jesus quickly. You're the son of God. You're the son of God. You know, and you have this, that's what you saw. You, You saw the person with true faith. Yeah. Not just caught up in the religious system with true faith turning to Jesus and seeing in him what they were supposed to see before in that Old Testament system. So it was the thing that makes it kind of weird is that was the means for a while. Yes. But it changed. There is an yes. old covenant and then there's a new covenant and it changed through Jesus Christ. It didn't just change through something little. It changed through the son of God on earth yes. and the fulfillment of all it was pointing to. So you know, it's not exactly like, hey, we could have missed this just a little bit. There was, no, something really yeah. radical happened. And, and this really relates to what we're talking about. To bring in something you said a couple minutes ago and, and sort of connected to what you just said, Mike, it's not that the means of salvation changed in terms of you kept the Moses law and then you believed in Jesus. It's that how did I express true faith mm-hmm. and obedience to God? It would have been by blessing Israel as a Gentile or keeping the law of Moses as an Israelite. That's how I would express that I truly trusted and believed in. That's my the expression of my faith. Post-Jesus, it's in living in allegiance to to Jesus Christ as King and Messiah. Mm-hmm. So it's a total change, but it applies to everyone. Israel needs to be saved by swearing allegiance to King Jesus and living in obedience to his commands, not following the law of Moses. And so does the Gentile world. Uh, and actually, Paul himself is almost the ultimate example of this you read philippians 3 you read romans uh 2 he he was you know he says in philippians 3 i was the jew of jews yeah i was it is philippians 3 right yeah i was the ultimate example and he was but he needed to be saved and trust in christ and in romans 2 he writes uh no one is a Jew who's merely one outwardly, nor is circumcision outward and physical, but a Jew is one inwardly, and circumcision is a matter of the heart. I don't think he's saying a Gentile is a—people can disagree on this. I'm just going to say, for the sake of our discussion, I don't think he's saying a Gentile becomes a Jew by being a Jew inside. He's saying, a, if I'm Jewish, which he was, I show it and I, I become a Jew truthfully in the heart, but inwardly. Now, when I read those verses— they almost sound a little offensive. Like, I, I almost don't want to say them. Oh, if you were a Jew and Paul said that to you, it'd be offensive. But I have to remember, he himself, like, he said it. Yes. I'm not, a, it's yeah. not a Gentile saying, you're not really a Jew. To, that would be weird. This is, this is the most Jewish guy. Yeah. <laughs> he, he would be like, I'm the most Jewish there is. He basically says that. And he's like, I learned something. There was an inwardness I didn't have. Um, and so... Uh, that became key for Paul and part of the main part of his message. And so there's three questions. we kind of hitting them, but just to crystallize them, three questions that I think spin off this. Uh, and it's, and Mike, you and I had a nice discussion about this the other day. 
the first thing is I think people would say, right, but okay, you guys are saying it, but still, aren't the Jews God's chosen people? And my sort of first synopsis answer to that is, yes, we're, we're saying absolutely we believe that's what the Bible teaches. But as we said, being God's chosen people isn't about individuals being saved. It's about being part of a nation that's specially set apart for God's purposes. So the chosenness of the people is not chosen to eternal salvation. It's chosen to have the presence of God and the plan of God work through them to do his will in history. Yeah, so, uh, you know, I guess summation for the first one, which leads in the second, is simply, yes, every religious Jew that's born a Jew that even would seriously want to follow Moses' law needs to be saved by putting their faith in Jesus Christ. Yes. That's what Jesus claimed. It's what the apostles claimed. They were all Jews at first. <laughs> all the first Christians were Jews. And from Pentecost on, that's really what we received. And the the Jews were the ones who first preached, you can't just keep the law anymore or Moses's commands. You have to keep Jesus's commands the greater than Moses, and that's how you find salvation, faith in those things. So yes, in terms of salvation, every ethnically Jewish person still needs to put their faith in Jesus Christ. Now, what does that mean? That leads to like your question, Brian, then. What does that mean? Aren't they God's chosen people? What? Yes, but sometimes I think we just need to think a little more seriously. What does it mean that they're God's chosen yes. people? And that's what you began to explain. Yeah, so you see starting with Abraham that God chose the descendants of Abraham and then and then through Isaac and then through Jacob ultimately and the 12 sons born to him, they become the 12 tribes. And then from then on, that group of people down into Egypt, up out of Egypt in what was called the promised land are the nation, the family, the nation through which God is working out his purposes to bless the world, to bring the king for that will be God's king and you see that in the promise to King David in 2 Samuel 7 to bring back uh, the spirit of God to be poured out on humanity you see it in the new covenant all God does these things through this family they are chosen to be God's vessel for his work in history and we don't believe that has been rescinded we believe uh, in Calvary Chapel and we believe the scriptures teach that there's still things yet to be done through them that that status hasn't been set yeah. aside uh and the coming of Christ as Messiah and King, first as sacrifice for sin, uh, that the coming of Christ was the great ratification. That was like God saying, absolutely, these are my people. They're never going to not be my people. And let me show you, one of them will be God in human flesh. He will be the sacrifice for sin. And literally everyone from any nation needs to put their trust in this Jewish man who died on a cross and rose again from the dead and will be king of the Jews for all history. And so that's what it means that they're God's chosen people. Uh, but as you said, Mike, it, it even the things that God gave them that marked them out as God's chosen people before Christ were not instruments for eternal salvation. Keeping the law was not a way to deal with your sin. Being ethnically Jewish didn't deal with your sin. So when we say be saved, we mean be saved from sin its effects and God's wrath on sin. But the law of Moses and 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 Jewish DNA was never meant to deal with sin and God's wrath that came from Adam. Right. Only the cross of Christ and faith in him deals with that. 
Yeah, so to say that they're God's chosen people means that all those prophecies Brian mentioned that are tied to an ethnic group of people, it meant God promised to keep that ethnic group of people yes, around. Yes. From the beginning to the end, that ethnic group of people has to be there. And what he promises through the scripture is within that ethnic group of people, not only will he keep them alive, but he will keep alive a remnant that has true faith in him. So God's people always being around means kind of two things. There's a group of them that don't have true faith in him, but are still ethnically Israel. And there's a group of them within that ethnic group that actually have faith, that are the true Israel, what he's working towards. And then Paul brings up in Romans 11, there is gonna be a point when all Israel, the whole ethnic group that's on the face of the earth is gonna recognize Jesus Christ at his second coming when he comes back and they realize he is always who he said he was. Everybody who's a Jew at that point is gonna be saved. So <laughs> there's, a, there's a mixed multitude until all Israel is actually saved. But it doesn't mean that at every point in history, just because you're ethnically Israel means they're all saved. What it does mean is God's gonna keep them alive. He's not gonna allow a nation to come and wipe them out. We know the miracle right. that the Jewish people were scattered and yet have come back together as a nation. Um, we think it's crazy that anybody can look at a literal place called Israel full of ethnic Jewish people <laughs> that is a miracle that is in existence and say they're not God's people and he doesn't have a plan for them. Um, he does. So yes, to say that they're God's people means ethnically he is not allowing them to be wiped out like the Philistines or something. And people have tried. Tried plenty of times. And even God has allowed them to be judged. Yes. The ethnic line got small at places. And as we said, scattered, but he has kept this people group alive because they're his chosen people and his work that he wants to accomplish in the world and all his various prophecies is connected to them. So he's gonna keep them until his word is done, which is the end. And their fullest really blessing. So. When we talk about Israel as God's people, that's what we're talking about kind of very directly. They are the people group that he talks about in his word that he's going to be organizing his world events around uh, through history. Right. So as we say these things, the third question that popped up in my mind was just, isn't that offensive? I, I can imagine someone hearing all that, but still thinking like, yeah, but you're saying that uh, they need to switch religions. And just to be really honest or you're saying their their heritage doesn't matter. In 2023, those are offensive things to say. You just don't usually talk about that. It's not only the Jewish religion, I was thinking, Mike. Uh, I remember being on a plane with a guy who was, I guess, he, well, I didn't know he's a Hindu till he told me, but he'd been born uh, in India, raised in India, and he. I told him of the gospel. He said, well, that's great, but you know, I'm a Hindu. Like, that doesn't apply to me. Yeah. And I tell this story all the time just because it, it was a great illustration of, it was helpful to me to realize like, oh, he doesn't hear what I'm saying is applying to because he thinks his heritage, his ethnicity and his religion set him in a different category. Um, but whether we're talking about Hinduism or something that was, you know, God given, God ordained, mm -hmm. like the old ancient Old Testament religion, uh, we're not criticizing the Jewish religion. We're not criticizing people's heritage. We're, we're not saying that Jewish people need to stop being Jewish ethnically 
or or even culturally and start being, you know, culturally Christian. In other words, we don't see these two things as opposed. Like Christianity is one thing, Jew, Jude, Jewishness is another thing, and uh, they're like opposites or something. Again, Jesus was Jewish. All the all the early church leaders, the apostles, were Jewish. And Jewish people who become Christians retain their Jewish history and, in one sense, their Jewish identity, especially their ethnic identity, and they simply enjoy God's new life and forgiveness. There might be other changes they need to make. They may, might need to stop trusting in a certain way of thinking about forgiveness and the law or something, but it's not as though they stop being what they, what they were. Um, and then the fourth question is just, someone might say, okay, but what about their religion? So if you're still saying like, are you saying that the whole thing is nothing or whatever? And I, I think what I would just say is, the, you, you, you said it, Mike, the ancient form of Judaism, including some of their oldest traditions that come from the Old Testament, like Passover, that was given by God. Uh, but Jesus called members of that religion to recognize him as the fulfillment of their law, their temple, and their prophecy. Like he was all like, reorient your whole life around my message, not around at the time they had your temple, their mm-hmm. temple, uh, you know, their prophecies of the coming Messiah. He said, that's me. Uh, so the New Testament is clear that followers of Christ, Jewish or not, do not need to keep, just to say it again, the Old Testament laws and the ancient Jewish traditions. Although, if there's some of those traditions they like, they, they can keep them. Some some of them are fine. Uh, but modern Judaism, this is another fact I think some people don't realize, is not the same thing as what ancient Jews or the, and the Jews of Jesus' day practiced. And again, we're not attacking anyone's religion. We're just acknowledging they had a temple. They had a priesthood. They had a series of sacrifices. They had feast days. They had the Old Testament religion they were keeping. Uh, Jesus consistently criticized all the other traditions they had put around that. It's yeah. one of the things that got them in trouble. But what what is practiced today as Judaism is actually a response, now a 2,000-year-old response to the claims of Christ. It is, it's a refusal to acknowledge that God has done a new thing in Jesus, and it's got a lot of history because it's so old now. It's got a lot of writings and famous rabbis and traditions, but they're but the things that are post-Jesus are not given by God. It's not, it's not a religion that God uh, instituted because when Christ came and fulfilled the Old Testament scriptures, everyone in Israel was called to follow the Jewish King Jesus as their Messiah. And if they didn't, then they were building their life in re- as a way to refuse to do that. Yeah. So I just think it's important to be clear about what is actually around today. Yeah, I think the... And sometimes there's pressure to go back to those old Hebrew roots, right? These various Hebrew roots movements where you're more righteous when you do these things, where the reality is, as Paul's talking about in 2 Corinthians, he says when they go to those old things, when they read Moses, they do those old kind of religious things, Passover, whatever they still can do without the temple and sacrifices being given. He says there's blindness over them. The the very thing that's supposed to lead them to Jesus and salvation becomes the thing that keeps them from Jesus and salvation because they trust in their works instead of the works of Jesus Christ. And that becomes a defining feature, and it's why many of the Pharisees hated the early Christians and persecuted them. It was why Paul, who was Saul, right. did that at first. Paul himself. 
because it's a central message of salvation where we find it in your own works and related to these things or in relation to Jesus Christ and his commands. So many of the Jews today that are saved, they'll call themselves completed Jews, you yes. know, or fulfilled Jews, where they realize all those things they had that were the way to salvation at one point through faith, they would point you to Christ and show you things. They can still enjoy them in ways that they see Jesus Christ. They understand yep. they're led to him. They understand God's purpose in giving them originally, and therefore they can still be a blessing to them as a person who's a Jew and has that Jewish heritage. But they still know the reality is Jesus Christ. So they're, they have more than they had before, actually. But if yeah. we, yeah, if we give up Christ and go back to just those things, the Bible has really severe warnings about putting our hope only in those places where Paul could say, I literally count all those things as dung. I wasn't thinking about this at all, Mike, but when you said Hebrew roots or whatever, whatever the other thing like it might, there might be other things like it that, that are out there, different things they get called, but sometimes people who are not Jewish, yeah, they're Gentiles, they're Christians, run into teachings that say you need to actually become Jewish mm-hmm. in your activities and you need to keep the law and these, you need to wear this certain thing. And uh, it, something about that teaching is powerful for a lot of people because it does, it does start to get in people's heads. But that too is a misunderstanding. And you don't become Jewish uh, ethnically by doing ancient Jewish things. And you don't need to become Jewish. Like part of the message of the gospel is in Christ, there's neither Jew nor Greek. He doesn't mean uh, you, you were literally no longer your old ethnicity. He means in the realm of, of salvation, those things don't matter in terms of your status before God. You don't need to become Gentile. You don't need to become Jewish. Be what you are. Worship Jesus and uh, rejoice in him. And that would be closer to the message in the New Testament than these things that sometimes get people, oh, the Jews are God's chosen people. We need to follow their 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 traditions. No, the New Testament doesn't say that at all. And it's significant that God had Paul yeah. write so much of the word of God to the Gentiles. Because if anyone was going to tell Gentiles that they needed to keep the law of Moses, it would have been Rabbi sure. Paul. Yeah. Right? Uh, but he didn't. Which was one of the biggest kind of issues in the early church. And whenever being Jewish or the Jewish religion becomes more important than Jesus, there's a problem. And people always got pulled aside. They pulled aside to circumcision, pulled aside to these feast days. They thought their righteousness was tied to those things. You can read the book of Galatians, Romans. We know Paul had to address these things constantly because there was this lean towards it, so much from their history. And a lot of that has still remained today and even pulls people who aren't Jews. It does. So it's important to recognize, uh, you know, like we said, God loves the Jews. They had incredible blessings in being given what they were given, which Paul talks about in Romans 9. The word of God, the ordinances, the temple, the priesthood, all these things that would point them to Jesus Christ and did point many of them to him, which they realized originally. But Christ becomes the fulfillment of it. And God is going to remain faithful to two things. Number one, his promise to keep the ethnic group alive through history until he's done with his role in history. And number two, to keep a remnant alive that has faith in him until 
all Israel is saved at a moment. So that can be helpful for us, hopefully to kind of realize the salvation part. And also when we, when we talk about Israel now wanting to help the nation state, we recognize like the nation state ethnically is not perfect either. So the nation of Israel can still do things that are wrong or sinful in God's sight. Like you, any nation. Like any nation. You oh. can have corrupt politicians. You, like Israel's history, they had bad kings. So they were, they were God's people, but the nation, when Israel and Judah split, Israel only had bad politicians and did plenty of bad things as a nation, although God was still faithful not to just wipe them all out. Yep. So you know, it doesn't mean we support everything the nation does, but it does mean we never wanna join those who are trying to wipe out the nation of Israel, because then we become enemies of God's plan. Yeah, so there we go. I think that's our, uh, that's our shot at it. There's actually a lot there to think about, and it could, it could hit someone from various angles. Uh, so Jesus said, go and make disciples of all nations. There you go. That includes the Jewish nation and every Gentile nation that there is. And so that's our, uh, that's our message. That's what we ourselves want to do. Yeah, and we want to see Jewish people saved. You know, the best way to help the nation of Israel is to help the gospel go there, which is what those early Christians did. That's what they that's what they shared. And that's what even the Apostle Paul, that was his heart, to see Israel saved. Yeah, his whole life passion. Mm-hmm. So, thanks guys. Appreciate it. Uh, you can find us if you got questions. All right, see you next time. Later.